Hello, this is Stanley. Hi, this is Olympia. And it's Edgar. And welcome to the Minority Reports Podcast, episode 55. 55. Five, five. Five, yes. five. Good number. <laughs> As always, you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, but especially listen to us on iTunes and yes. leave us a review, please. Please, yes. thank you. I don't know thank if we you. sound disparate, but... <laughs> five stars, please. Five, five stars. stars, yeah. Yes, meow meow beans. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we are a podcast that talk about culture, pop culture, and politics and news through the perspective of people of color. So, yes. Welcome to new listeners, and welcome back to old listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... So we're polite. Doing... I feel like I'm at a fireside chat. I know. Yes. I feel like we're... I just, we're, like, feel nice and We're merging into like NPR <laughs> territory. Oh, my God. Yes. Weekend NPR territory. But, like, yes. less liberal, like, shitty white people. True, 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 true. Yeah. true. Um, so we're, we're not doing things normally this episode. Stanley's going to explain things. Yeah. So, um, th- for this episode, we're going to... I guess turn the lens on or the mirror to ourselves. We love talking shit about everyone. Now it's time, time to, to yeah, no, yeah. I'm joking. Um, but I'm gonna bring up this P word, which may cause some con- um, discomfort. But <laughs> we're gonna talk about privilege today. Yes. Yep. And um, how we got to this topic in the first place was that before the winter break. I work at a college, and we had a meeting, mm-hmm. and no one kn- knew what to, to expect, but it was like a huge team meeting, and it ended up being about race and privilege and th- these uncomfortable topics that right. people wouldn't expect on a Friday morning. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a- Before you head <laughs> yeah. into your yeah. You haven't even had your first donut. It's like... <laughs> And it was like eight hours long. Oh, shit. This is a- like a workshop. Right? It's a workshop, yeah. basically. Yeah, this was yeah. like legit. Yeah. Because our college was like wanting to be more equitable, like, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And one of the sections we talked about was privilege. And we got handed out this table document thing yeah. where we had to fill out what privileges that we have. And it shed some light on privileges that I didn't know I have. Right. Yeah. And this is the introduction to our conversation. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're going to talk about um, privilege in a way. So we, whenever we do this, uh, this podcast, sometimes we verge on uh, topics and ideas of privilege, but we never really dive deep into it. So this is our first yeah. time where we're actually going to dive deep into it. And we're going to use ourselves as sort of the examples and talk about our personal privileges and uh, ways that we lack privilege that we may not even have known or realized. And that's sort of what privilege is and why it's so fascinating and interesting. Um, That's not all we'll talk about this episode. We also have some other stuff later on in the episode. But we got some um, news stuff. We have some news and some other things, but we're going to sort of focus on this. um, And I'm excited to get into it. So let's just uh, go ahead (laughs) and do it. So what exactly is privilege? Um, Privilege is special rights or advantages available only to a particular person or group of people. That is sort of like the most baseline definition of what privilege is. Of course, privilege um, goes deeper than that, and it sort of is very different for different societies and countries and cultures. Um, So what a privilege – I mean, there might be a privilege in the United States that doesn't necessarily exist in another country, say, like even our closest neighbors like Canada or Mexico, Mm -hmm. which is sort of fascinating and interesting. Um, And we will touch on some of that um, in this episode and on later episodes. Hint, hint. Um, So, um, yeah. So really – 
it comes down to sort of the big, like Stanley said, the the, the things we don't really like talking. Well, we like talking about, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But other people don't like talking about. I think we like talk like we like talking about this stuff a lot, but we yeah. always talk about it in the sense that like where we are assuming we that everyone who's listening yes. to us. Yeah. Yes. Knows right. the basics. Exactly. Which may or may not be true. Which may, exactly, may or may not be true. This, I, I would say this is one of our episodes that is sort of, um, we encourage you to share with um, certain individuals in your life that you feel <laughs> may not know exactly what uh, privilege is. Uh, so we're going to talk about things like race, age, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, citizenship, religion, uh, physical abilities, health, uh, level of education, and sort of similar topics. Yeah. That sounds like a lot, but we're actually going to go through <laughs> it pretty quick, I think. Yeah. Um, so one of the sort of interesting things here is the idea that everyone is privileged. I know that sort of doesn't make sense uh, uh, when you really think about it, but it does because everyone has certain privileges that others just don't. Even in a society where there are people who are heavily privileged over others you just don't even cough cough realize white this guy's cough cough, cough. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um so it, there was this like uh, um this author gina crossley uh Cor- Corosin, uh, i can't pronounce that name Cor- uh, Cor- Cor- um she says the concept of intersectionality recognizes that people can be privileged in ways uh and definitely not privileged in others and i think that just sort of sums it up um, and as we go through this, we will realize that some of us are privileged yeah. <laughs> than others in yeah. ways that we didn't even realize or think about. Um, so let's uh, start with probably the one that we most talk about yeah. on this podcast. We are called The Minority Report, uh, race. So um, I will say uh, this, we usually take sort of an American uh, uh, lens to the topics that we discuss. Here we will too, but it will be a little more global than normal because we're just, mm-hmm. we're talking in general. Um, so in racist societies like the United States, certain races are heavily favored than others. Um, most notably in the United States, white people. White people, yeah. Yeah, so, and this is something that we, I mean, all three of us, we are not privileged in this way. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it sort of leads into ideas of colorism, where some of us are privileged and others that yeah aren't yeah um so (laughs) and i'll just give for example um in my so in my community the hispanic community i am a light-skinned hispanic person and i'm privileged over darker-skinned hispanic people just because of the shade of my skin and that's like actually a thing and if you were to go to mexico people who are lighter skinned in mexico are far more privileged Mm. than people who are lighter skinned um, and I don't know, how, how about your sort of yeah, experiences with that? Yeah, so and um, this is a story from my friends, but um, I'm half Vietnamese and my friends are Vietnamese, or some of them, you know. Yeah. And they talked about how when they go to Vietnam for the first time or whatever, um, that they're light, like light skin compared to the people who live there all their right. lives. And it's obvious to discern between who's a local and who's just right. visiting, even though you are Vietnamese, you know? Right. And how, I guess, like, lighter-skinned Vietnamese people are seen as more privileged mm-hmm. than darker skin. Right. And I think that applies to every race, but I'm not sure. I can't speak on that. Yeah. I mean, for for a lot of cultures, yeah. whiteness yeah. and lightness is preferred over darkness. I yeah. mean, especially when you get to just 
world history, so imperialism, colonialism, mm-hmm. yep. and then now globalism, right. all feed into the ideas of whiteness being superior. And before colonialism, there might have been this, there were the structures where lighter skinned people were privileged, mm-hmm. but I think those events sort of compounded all of that, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, I'm South Asian, I'm Pakistani, mm-hmm. uh, nationality, ethnically Gujarati, and it's it's weird because I am much lighter skinned now mm-hmm. than I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you saw a picture of me in high school, it's, it's a very stark difference. Right. And colorism is so so big in the South Asian community. Yes, yeah, it is. We literally have a bleach cream called Fair and Lovely that's like a joke. Yeah. Like it's an inside joke amongst all of us. Like oh, everybody yeah. knows what Fair and Lovely is. Like my sister, who is even lighter skinned than I am, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not I'm not light skinned. I would consider myself like I'm not light skinned, I'm not dark skinned, I'm right. in the middle. Right. Um and, like, even my sister, who is really fair, yep. has been handed fair and lovely products by, like, family mm. members or strangers. I have been, you know, even, and, like, it's just so deep-seated. There have been, like, I remember there was once where my mom was like, you should bleach your face because it'll, it's not going to lighten you. It's going to even out your skin tone. And, right. like, she just couldn't see, mm. like... She just the couldn't connection. make that connection. Right. And I was like, no, mom, it lightens your face. Like... Right. So that, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things that's super prevalent. Like there are so many, there's so many, and like with darker skinned South Asians, you know, they're seen as lowly and issues of class come mm-hmm. into play. Yeah. Which we will talk about. Yeah. Which we will talk about. And so, yeah, colorism is like really big in the South Asian yeah. community. And mm-hmm. then. On top of that, being not a light-skinned person right. who lives in the U.S., right. who is, like, on top of not being white, I'm also not fair-skinned. Right. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And, and so that sort of manifests in a lot of ways that we don't even recognize where people who are lighter-skinned will get um, certain things that people who aren't. So let, that actually brings us to this sort of next topic uh, which is one of those hotly debated issues, what is white privilege and the idea of whiteness, which is we already sort of touched on, but it's sort of social. Uh, okay, so these are societal privileges afforded to white or people identified as white in certain countries and societies. Um, so to sort of uh, another example that I can give, um, going back to Latin American communities and Latin American society, as Olivia mentioned before, colonialism is a sort of big thing um, that sort of just shook Latin America. I mean, it literally formed Latin America. Um, and you have a society where you have people who are either all the way white, um, mixed, which is what I am. I mix between European and indigenous peoples. And then you have your 100% indigenous peoples. Very few of them because most of them were wiped out, literally, um, especially in Latin America. The people who are whitest are far more preferred. They are usually the ones who are higher class, better educated. The mixed race people, that's where your colorism comes into place. The people who are lighter skinned are afforded far more um, rights just because of their closeness to whiteness. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even matter that they're not full white. They may be like 99% uh, uh, indigenous, but that 1% of whiteness that shows through in their characteristics, Mm -hmm. they will be favored over people who 
aren't. Um, and in the U.S., it's just so evident in yeah. everything and everything yeah. you do. Yeah. Uh, white people are 100 uh, percent um, sort of favored. And whiteness in the U.S. is actually really fascinating and, uh, and interesting. Of course, the one drop rule, even if you have one drop of another race in the United States, you are not considered white in mexico i would be considered a white person in the u.s i am not a white person that's actually really fascinating and interesting um yeah because then you get into the conversations about like well even if you aren't white there's still a segment of people who are white passing right so Mm. that also comes into play too it does it does and really uh i i I don't speak as fact, but white privilege totally exists. Like, that is something that is in our society that we can't ignore. Yeah, there are, like, statistics that where race can determine, like, a certain set of things that will happen. Oh, yeah. yeah like, you know how, like, um, black people are more likely to be jailed mm-hmm. than white people. Yeah. Then you can determine that just solely on the color of people's 13th, skin. 13th, in yeah. Dvarnik, go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> Netflix yes. right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you even see, like, those viral internet videos where one person puts out two resumes, one mm-hmm. with a white-sounding name right. and one with mm-hmm. their actual name, and, like, even the job offers yeah. that come back. Like, right. actual studies have been done to prove yeah. <laughs> this entire complicated not complicated, but just right. a huge issue. But yeah. Yeah. That it, <laughs> it, 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 of course, this is something that we've talked about a million times before. So we're not going to get too many deep into sort of the examples here. But this is something that just cannot be denied. And when we get into sort of the criticisms against the idea of privilege, we will talk uh, about that further. Um, but moving on, uh, gender privilege, um, of course, Um, This is just, I mean, pretty much all over the world, uh, men are favored Favored, uh, more than women. Um, Cisgendered men. Exactly, cisgendered men. If you um, don't know what cisgender means, we will talk. We, we will, will talk, about we will talk about it. Uh, but even then, uh, just men in general are generally favored over women, um, and that is an issue and something that um, uh, is very complex and goes into issues of power and um, sexual harassment, like we were talking about yeah. now with a lot that's going on in Hollywood. Nice um, to the heart. Just a, a lot going on here. So Stanley and I are both. Men yeah. here, uh, cisgender men here. Um, so, Alifia, we're going to leave the floor to you. Um, as, you know, you're a woman growing up in the U.S. You've seen so much happening, thoughts and feelings on this. Yeah, and for context, I am a cisgendered woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really interesting. I mean, again, you have the topic of intersectionality, so... My race plays a lot into mm-hmm. how I'm viewed as well. I'm a right. visible minority. Um, my last name is Ali, so anytime anyone reads my name, they know automatically I'm Muslim, which also plays into privilege. Yeah, so mm-hmm. there's like a whole intersection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There is like so. a whole host of things, but I think like the general conversations about womanhood, like I have a hard time talking about my womanhood without also talking about those other things mm-hmm. um, because they all coincide and right. make my life difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, you know, you talk about the general things that like men are paid more. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes. And women of color are paid significantly less yes. than even white women. Um, I think you also have like, I've gotten into so many conversations 
with men who are like, actually, if you look at it, men and women are paid the same. It's just that women will go and have babies and like all this stuff. And like there are studies that just <laughs> there are studies yeah. that disprove that, but yeah. they like nobody wants to listen. Um, the fact that there isn't a system in place for you know adequate uh, mm-hmm. prenatal care or postnatal care and child exactly. care exactly and the the way society is structured as well the burden of, of child care yeah. it's and the burden of domestic work is sort of just generally not all families are like this but generally placed on the woman and mm-hmm. that's work that's also not valued right so if you think about a woman who's working a full-time job and then she comes home she but all of the all of the work she does at home is a not paid for yeah. and b not valued mm-hmm. so right. you think about cooking cleaning and and i'm not talking about women who get paid to do these things even though they are also underpaid and i think it's important to talk about that but cooking cleaning and you know child care those are things that if you're a woman who's also working a full-time job and doing these things, it's likely that you're not getting paid to do the things that you're doing when you come home. And right. that just shows like that our devaluation of tasks and, you know, um, work that we consider feminine or a woman's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, during our meeting, the way that our speaker like highlighted this gender privilege issue Mm -hmm. was the question she asked is in in this audience was that um how many of you i raise your hand if you've done something to minimize the likelihood of being sexually assaulted and you can see all the women or most of the women raising their hands and then all the men or most of the men didn't raise their hands and just shows or highlights the yeah. privilege that met yeah, I mean, men go the, through in the world. Yeah. 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 I mean like at the end of the day, privilege all privilege means is that there's an aspect of your life that you don't have to think, think about. about. Yeah. Yes. So like exactly. like, uh, like I guess like me and Edgar right. we don't have, have never to, thought no. of doing that, you know? Yeah, like I can tell you if I'm walking alone at night, like I won't have headphones in. Mm-hmm. My hair won't be in a ponytail because it's easy to grab. Yeah, I have, yeah. like, literally put my keys in between my fingers when I'm walking in right. my pocket. So, like... And someone like me. And these are, like, yeah. very normal activities for me. This right. is not anything that's, like, unfamiliar. Um, we all have friends who have, like, the little cat mm-hmm. keychains that are actually, like, pokey-stabby thingies. Oh. Yes. Um, like, that is all relative... Like... That's all really normal. And like yeah. I and feel, we would never have to do that. Yeah, yeah. And like I feel comfortable like running outside at night. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like for for me it's also just Stanley's like, super buff. Just no, no, And so like that also applies to you know being a woman yeah. mm-hmm. in the world and like, exactly um, because we're talking about intersectionality like because of my race as well mm-hmm. I'm like either hyper desexualized or hypersexualized fetishized mm, right. um, uh, and men experience this too so yeah yeah 
Yeah. It's a time, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, Being a lady. <laughs> so our list is a little out of order, so I'm going to jump uh, over to sexual orientation. Makes a little more sense to get there. Um, of course, this is something that um, just um, this is something we've been dealing with as a country for a long time. Only recently have we granted rights to uh, the LGBTQ uh, community. Um, so sexual orientation, um, heterosexual people are far more privileged than um, gay people, yeah. especially here in the United States. Um, so let's, yeah, let's talk about that, Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> what? Stanley, what? spotlight? No, no, no. Um, yes. So <laughs> I'm gay. Yes. So um, I'm not an, a, in a place of privilege in right. a normal space. I don't know. Um, also, Depends on whether I just come out to people or not, or just keep it to myself. Yeah. Right. And I haven't actually come out to people at work. And so I, and I also like to think that my workplace is also like opened mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Because, yeah. Y'all had a privilege works up. Yeah. Sure, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. But, and, and that's something Olivia and I would never even exactly. have to think about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And like when you meet new people all the time, you have to like f- figure out, hey, should I come out to this person or is like it okay how, to come out yeah. to this person? Yeah, or yeah. like is it natural like what's a natural way to come out to a person? So right. it's like a whole jump, like you have to think about it and do yeah, all this. Yeah, because like you're assumed straight unless right. you, yeah. you unless someone thinks you fall into certain stereotypes, yeah. which is right. shitty. And right. or, you know, they just And even like showing like public um affection. Right. Yeah. Is, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. I I was, yeah, I was online looking at just like different quizzes for how privileged you are. And one of the questions was, um, uh, uh, being afraid to show like, uh, like affection in public. And I was like, I didn't even think of that. Cause I'm not like on that wavelength. Cause I don't have to be. And that just shows how privileged I am in that space. And I think like one, one recent topic, um, not, I wouldn't say recent, but like, I think something that we've been talking about more is representation of LGBTQ Mm. people Mm -hmm. in the media. I remember there was this whole strain of TV shows at one point a few years ago that had lesbian characters and gay characters, and they kept killing them off. Mm. Like, there was a trope called, like, don't kill your gays. (laughs) There was this whole campaign about how they would make... You know, they would make people who were LGBTQ and then kill them off. Mm. And, like, that, I saw that and I was like, holy shit, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. They're just, like, literally listing TV show after TV show. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And even in terms of representation, the characters that are LGBTQIA are usually white. Too. Yeah. Even, like, it's so few and far between. Yeah. On top of that, mm-hmm. they're usually white. And on top of that, they're getting killed off. Yeah. 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 For sure. Or if they're not white, they're the ones getting killed off, you know? Yeah. So... I don't know. Let, 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 let me ask you this, Stanley. And if it gets too personal and too deep, we can move on. But <laughs> I, I just know 
Um, I, I, you know, this is something I think about because when I was growing up, we, you, like, everyone in school used the term gay to mean, like, as a negative thing. Like, yeah. that's gay. That's terrible. And I would always hear, like, on the school bus, like, everyone would say, yeah. Yeah. that's gay. And it would be, like, in all the music. Like, oh, yeah. music would use gay as slurs. Um, and it was actually really recent that that sort of changed. You had people like Kanye West who were like, don't use gay as a negative thing in rap music. And that's, like, super recent. And it kind of blows my mind. I'm like, I never had to grow up in this culture where people were just using gay as a yeah. negative thing this entire time. Um, how did you, like, growing up as a child, how did you intern- internalize that? Well, I I think I knew that I was gay around, like, maybe teens, tw- tw- yeah. 12 to 14, yeah. around that age. So, like, yeah, like, definitely people were like, Stanley, what, like, are you attracted to, like, men or women, but... Um, like, you know, if you hear people say that, right. you're less likely to say that you're gay. But even then, right. coming out is hard in the first place. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, hearing people say that casually in high right. school or, like, middle school definitely, like, made me less likely to come out. And mm. e- uh, even my brother, I think, still says it, maybe. Oh, yeah. Like, when yeah, you're not around. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, it's like, don't say that. <laughs> that and that's yeah. that's sort of interesting to me because that sort of stopped re- like at yeah. least in my circle. So that's yeah. sort of interesting. Still I mean, yeah. no, I know people who still like will yeah. say it. Yeah. And I'll literally yell like every time yeah. I will stop. yell at them. Just stop. <laughs> stop. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. Okay, moving on. Still, oh, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Um, we so, can go on. <laughs> so uh, uh, gender identity. Um, so this is uh, a place where we're actually, I think we're this all like, privileged. We're, yeah. 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 This is like a gender. recent like, yeah, conversation. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just like just recently, like yeah. uh, it, it's it, it's kind of insane that we're still going through some of these conversations. Anyways, um, so of course, um, uh, Western society especially, but a lot of societies around the, the globe uh, – favor and privilege people who identify with the sex that they were born yeah. with or uh, um, who are cisgendered. These are the people that are privileged in this society, especially here in the United States. Uh, uh, for the longest time, uh, there was a lot of violence against people who were transgender. A lot of yeah. rights were... Still uh, are. Still, yeah. Exactly, still is. Um, Trans people are still... Um, the high- like experience violence yes, in yeah. far more higher than, rate yes, yeah. than the rest of the country. Right, yeah. right. Um, and, and that's sort of, uh, you know, it, it's really disheartening when you see stuff like Donald Trump saying uh, transgendered people can't serve in, in the, the military. military. Yeah. Um, and it's and that, the bathroom bill within the, our Exactly. The bathroom bill. Yeah. Chelsea Manning, who had to exactly. serve time in a men's prison, even yeah. though she is a trans woman. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is just something um, that is really a stain on American society right now. It's something that we need to do better in um but yes definitely this is something um that we like we have this privilege over and when we talk about what it means to be privileged later on in the episode and our sort of our duties as privileged people this is something where we have to sort of step up and fight for yeah yeah people's rights yeah i mean we don't have to think about like what bathroom do we use no are we passing are we not i mean i there's so many things that with with anything that you have privilege over, it's just you have like you read it, but there's not really a good way. I wouldn't say good way, but like you have to choose to believe the people who are in the situation because when you read it, it's it doesn't seem like right. a thing that you could experience. Right. 
And that that goes for any type of privilege, I think, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also the issue of language, like if a person who mm-hmm. wants to be not called a certain gender and use the the pronouns they, pronoun. them, yeah. there, and but we just accept, oh, it's a he, him, his, right? Yeah, because like our language don't. literally privileges yeah. mm-hmm. uh, heterosexual or not or uh, uh, just gen- people, gender. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it isn't. I am glad we're having this conversation though, because I feel like it gives. A, like, humanity is so big, and Mm -hmm. having two genders, just, like, for me, because, like, your biological sex and your gender are not, in my head, like, not necessarily attached to each other, Mm -hmm. so for me, it's just, it's just, it just makes sense that, like, yeah, because even when we talk about, um, you know, biosex, even our dichotomy of male and females and Correct, because you're leaving out a whole swath of intersex, intersex people, yeah. you know? Yeah. And even with, there's so much variation within intersex people as well. So even that dichotomy is false. So the gender dichotomy to me is all, like, it makes sense <laughs> that that is also false. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, why do we have to limit ourselves to two genders? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And also, if you expand the meaning of what it means to be a woman or be a man mm-hmm. or be gender fluid or be gender queer um, or gender non-conforming, I feel like that gives, at least it's given me license to be more comfortable mm-hmm. being a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, this is one of those things where... Um, and, and really for all of these, but um, especially here where you see so sort of society has decided this is yeah. it and it is very hard for them to uh, – for society as a whole to let go. Mm-hmm. And it's like we are in that sort of transition yeah. era where it's like, no, motherfuckers, you're going to have to let go. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's where we're at with, with a lot of these. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to jump to um, class issues, wealth and education. And uh, I feel like this might be a really personal conversation. We might have uh, a lot to say here about our own personal mm-hmm. lives here. Um, of course, um, class is very important when it comes to privilege. Lower class people are, of course, far less privileged than higher class, high, quote unquote, higher class yeah. people. Um, when we're talking about um, just sort of the economic impact of it, people who make less money have less buying power and have less privilege just because of that. And here in the United States, you have people who have ultra buying power to the point where they can literally influence politicians. They can influence elections. They can do so much with their privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to money and wealth, that also leads sort of into education. Not always, but having wealth means you're more likely to be educated in yeah. a way that um, lower classes aren't. I mean, especially with the way schooling works in the United States, yeah. public schools are funded by property taxes. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a lower income, you're usually living in a lower income area, which means your property taxes are less, which means your schools aren't adequately funded and they're underserved. Exactly. And that will, that will affect the quality of your education. Yeah. Another thing that I didn't think about in terms of um, wealth is that like someone who is, or some people, like two people who want to transition into a different gender, mm-hmm. um, a person with money would be able to buy different types of exactly. clothes, like more masculine yeah. or feminine clothes, but a poor person mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to do that. 
Yeah. Which just like blows my mind because I never thought of that before. Yeah, and then even when you talk about medical transition as well, yeah. that plays into it too. Who can afford yeah. to medically transition yeah. versus exactly. who can't? Yeah. Yeah. So let's um, talk about ourselves a little bit here. Um, if we want to share, uh, I'll go first. <laughs> I, I grew up um, very poor. I grew up very poor in uh, uh, in my life, and um, I had a lot of hardships because I grew up uh, very poor. Um, now, later in life, um, uh, um, I sort of uh, was able to, my parents were able to sort of uproot us from that poorness and we were able to enjoy life a little bit better. And I remember there's like this transition in my life where I remember it's like, Oh, I literally couldn't have anything and now I can have some stuff. <laughs> and now, you know, I am very privileged uh, and uh, I am very blessed and, and in a position where I make decent, I make a decent living. I make decent money. I, I don't want for anything. And it's like, I am in this, like, I'm not even ultra rich or anything, but even in the position that I'm in, I am so far more privileged than a lot of the people who were where I was when I was young. Mm. Um, and I can really see that difference, at least in my life. I don't know. How about y'all? Um, money's hard to talk about because you're ch- the, there's this phrase that says, try to live below your means. But mm. yeah, there are people who would still spend a lot more money than they actually make and right. get bankrupt and all. But um, I think I, I was born in I th- lower middle class. Yeah. yeah. And um, I just, I, I grew up just not knowing. I don't, it's hard uh, to talk. I don't know. Because it's complicated. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but now, and also you, as a child, you never really sort of realize it, it yeah. or yeah. think about it until yeah. later. And you're like, holy crap. Yeah. And, yeah. My and parents then you have to like re-examine yeah. and it's like, okay, but how was yeah. it like? Yeah. yeah. And my parents like did well with like, the little they have like right. did a lot use mm-hmm. with the little they right. have they went a long way with it yeah. and like even now like as i'm making my own money i have my own job my mom would like like ch- chastise me about oh why are you spending money on food you know eating out so often <laughs> that's and so buying funny. this and yeah, that yeah. when you don't need it and i was like oh it's just like I'm trying to enjoy yeah. my life mom no. exactly <laughs> but yeah so like definitely money comes into play with like every life decision i make <laughs> yeah if i'm buying anything or and, and, and that's interesting because that's sort of like a value and thing that was imposed on you that you still mm-hmm. live with and internalize. Yeah. yeah, like in buying products, groceries, I would wait usually to for like certain items for it to go on sale. Right. Yeah, and, and stuff if like you're that. born ultra privileged, you can live no, buy whatever yeah. the fuck you yeah, want. It, and it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. How about you, Olivia? Um, what my story is kind of interesting. So my parents first got married and. I was born five years after they got married, mm-hmm. and I'm the oldest. So throughout that time, yeah. and then I'm my best guess is even a few years into me being born, um, and then into my sister being born as well, who's two years younger than I am. Um, we were pretty lower middle class. Uh, like we lived in an apartment. Mm-hmm. We, you know, like. I I was obviously very young, so I don't remember all of it. Um, but I have heard stories of my mom, like they they did the be- the best with what they had. Right. She told me the story of like this ridiculous road trip her and some of my family friends took when I was a baby. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone was poor. Yeah, <laughs> so they were literally like six people in one hotel room, oh my God. and like it was a road trip, like just yeah. basically trying to like do the best they could, right? right. Um. 
And so that was the situation until I would say when I was like four or five. We moved to a nice neighborhood, good school, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And then our situation got even better when um, I was older and entering middle school. We moved into an even nicer area. Like, I feel like it was a negated community, yeah. which is code for fancy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very fancy. Like, there's a golf course in my neighborhood. Yeah. It's weird. Um, so, you know, I had all of, you know, the blessings of, it was real white, obviously, but like, it was a good school district. I got a good education. I was able to take even, even little things like advanced placement classes and SAT prep and like having extracurricular activities, like being able to do marching band and stuff like that. Mm. That really Um, changed the course of your life. Exactly. Like, Having access to these things meant I could go to a good college. Um, And basically, high school, the money situation ebbed and flowed. Mm -hmm. Even now, the money situation ebbs and flows. I was actually telling Edgar before about, like, how my family, you know, views money Mm -hmm. and views assets. Right. Um... And I think this might be this might be common amongst a lot of like immigrant families or families of color, but like all money is family money and yeah. all assets are family assets. <laughs> yeah. Like Yeah, pretty much. My money is not just my money. Right. It's like also my family's money and I just like wouldn't even think of it any other way. Like right. money is shifted around so easily in my family. It always like comes back to me, but yeah. you know, it's just shifted around so easily. So the situation, like ebbs and flows a lot. I think especially with, you know, the financial crisis in 08, stuff Mm -hmm. was hard. Um, And there was a point in time where I had all of my living grandparents in my house, so three grandparents. So there were seven of us um, in one house. Mm. My parents were caring for all of them. Um, I was in school. So, yeah. Yeah, it it was like an ebb and... It was the ebbs and... We ebbed right. and flowed, but I've right. always been, like, pretty standard middle-of-the-line middle class. Right. Um, and there's sort of a stability yeah. in that where someone growing up really poor mm-hmm. is, like, one bad yeah. decision or one bad thing away from, like, total yeah. financial loss and bankruptcy. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think, like, even growing up, the mentality of those early years stuck around with my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, now it's completely the opposite like, I'll go and I will be really, like, I will hold, like, my coin purse <laughs> close to me. Yeah. And my mom's just like, you should just spend money. Like, <laughs> you live should your just life. buy nice yeah. things. Yeah. They last That's longer. That's the opposite of sanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm literally just like, what? how are you saying this right now? You literally, like, wouldn't let me buy anything yeah. that costs more than $15 growing so up. Um, so, like, it's weird. And now, you know, now I, like, Edgar... I have a good job. I make decent money. Yeah. And I think the mark of it is like, I am not worried about having to pay my bills. Like I know I can always pay my bills, mm-hmm. yeah. which is like an amazing feeling knowing that you're going to make rent <laughs> every yeah. month. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've read online that someone said that it's, um, what do you call it? It's expensive living poor because yeah. if you're living paycheck, paycheck by paycheck, you have to make decisions of whether to get healthcare Right. Or buy food for your kids. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with like single parents. 
and and rich people or like people with more money actually um, can buy in bulk at yeah. stores, which is cheaper if right. you buy in wholesale. You right. Know? Yeah. Right. And it's like and, and it's crazy because it's like when people are like I've made it or they've made it, they also get a bunch of free stuff. Yes. Like like a lot of celebrities get yeah. endorsements or sponsors exactly. and get free stuff. And we're like, exactly. oh, I don't want that. Yeah, thing. celebrities don't pay for, like, anything. anything. Yeah. People so, are just, like, clamoring yeah, for these. So, and I think even, like, in our situation, Edgar and I talk about, like, all the free food in our office all the oh. time. And, like, that's not even something I was thinking about, but it just popped into my head. Like, yeah, that's a privilege that you know. we yeah. have. Uh, but real quick, uh, uh, on Stanley's point, I, something I sort of thought about recently um, so I just, I, I recently got a speeding ticket. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> sorry, world. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I have a need for speed. No. Um, and um, the ticket was pretty pricey, but uh, I was able to afford it without, like, without it hurting me at all, without it being an issue. And if you are living pay to, paycheck to paycheck and you get a speeding ticket, that could be it. Like, that's yeah. it. Go to jail. Like, go, have a bad driving record. Go to jail or buy food for your family. That's, yeah. like, the things we don't have to think about ever. Yeah. And even, like, within my friends, like, there are friends who are poorer than me who, like, I like to eat out a lot, you yeah. know? Like, I like to try restaurants. I'm a foodie. Yeah. So whenever I was like, oh, let's invite, I invite this friend. And he's like, no, I can't spend money eating out. And I was like, why yeah. not? Let's have fun, you know? You're right. Yeah. Right. And we have to be cognizant yeah. of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, we're going to move on. We spent a lot of time on that, but good, <laughs> because it's it's a bunch of, uh, you're getting to know us, podcast. Yeah. You're getting to know who <laughs> we are. Um, so I'm going to touch on these two things uh, quickly, even though they're giant things. Uh, so citizenship, um, especially with DACA right now, this is something, uh, uh, yeah. a, a hot topic. Um, so, of course, for the long, even for the longest time here in the U.S., people of color and women weren't even considered citizens. You, they couldn't even buy land. They couldn't vote. Mm -hmm. Citizenship is huge because it gives you uh, 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 voting power, and that is a huge privilege. When people say voting is a privilege, it is, people. Like, voting is a privilege. Um, and we don't eat not a lot of People use, yeah. use it. Yeah, no, yeah no. not a, a lot of people use it. Speaking of which, it's 2018. It's an election year. Go fucking vote this Go year. Go fucking yeah. vote. Let's get this man <laughs> out of office. But more, uh, 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 but but sort of beyond that, of course, now we're talking about people who come here, um, who are undocumented, who can be taken advantage of in a ways that citizens can't, and have they have, citizens have rights that these people don't and it's something that we really need to be cognizant about i don't care where you fall on the argument uh for or against immigration or whatever like you could totally be uh, uh, on the opposite side but we can agree that these people need to be treated with rights like mm -hmm. these are human rights that they deserve and um the u.s is having a hard time doing that right now moving on um so uh religion this is probably one of the biggest here and we're not going to do it any justice yeah. at all but we're going to talk about it uh, just a little bit um in certain uh societies and cultures and countries favor uh certain religions over others um here in the u.s uh, um, a western society we sort of favor christian we know we do favor christian religions Catholic. Um, so, yeah, so, but even within that, they favor certain yeah. uh, Christian religions above others. Like, uh, JFK, uh, JF Kennedy being the first Catholic president was like a huge fucking deal. Like oh. people didn't like Catholics, you know, like that's a, a, a really interesting thing. Um, but we, you know, Olivia, you're a Muslim <laughs> Hi, person Muslim here. Person. Stanley, <laughs> uh, um, you're sort of... I'm a like, I was Buddhist, but now I'm, like, agnostic. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And I'm uh, sort of, you know, I, I don't consider <laughs> myself a religious person, but if people were to sort of categorize me, I'm a Catholic 
person. Uh, so I have this privilege that you two don't, and I don't have to think about it at all, really. Uh, but how has it affected your lives? I mean, I don't really care about religion. So, so it hasn't even, yeah. It hasn't, yeah. 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 I haven't thought of it. Being a Muslim post 9-11, no matter yeah. whether or not you're religious, fucking sucks. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could, uh, I can't even Even imagine. then that's like based more on skin color, right? Yes, it's yeah. definitely. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, with the intersectionality thing, and Islam is a religion that is racialized a lot. So mm-hmm. you are any, I mean, I think you see this with the number of um, sick Sikh men who are attacked because they're wearing turbans. They're not Muslim. They're not Muslim at all. But yeah. they're brown, they have beards, and they're wearing turbans, so they're attacked. Right. Um, so it is definitely a racialized mm-hmm. bias. Because if you saw a white Muslim person on the street, like, they're, you know, nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me on the street, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, man. Yeah, the amount of the amount of like you're a terrorist rants I've had to endure is yeah, like that's terrible. a lot. That's <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> terrible. I, I hear that. Goddamn, goddamn. Yeah. America, the what's wrong with us? Nine eleven. Yes. Um, okay, so moving on. Uh, we definitely need to do a religion episode one day. That's a yeah. that's a big heavy one. <laughs> I'm gonna briefly go through just some sort of criticisms against him. We do, obviously we are a very biased podcast and we do not agree with any of this. But sort of the main sort of argument against it is that. Um, you know, privilege is ignoring, uh, uh, according to them, real actual differences amongst uh, different groups of people um, when it comes to race, um, uh, especially that's something that a lot of racists used to justify or to sort of say that racism doesn't exist is this idea that there are actual differences between people and they deserve this Eugenics. or that. Yeah, exactly. So that's something we're not even going to get into it because it's a bunch of BS and bullshit. The sort of other argument that's kind of fascinating is the idea that the term privilege, a lot of people take offense to it because it sort of implies a luxury, whereas maybe being a Catholic person doesn't necessarily give you a quote unquote luxury. Uh, But that's just getting into semantics, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like like we said earlier, privilege is literally just here's an aspect of your identity that in a normal world, you don't have to think about it on right. a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people take, like Edgar said, people take privilege to mean that, like, they're afforded some sort of luxury. No one is saying your life isn't hard if you have privilege. Because right. as noted before, all three of our lives as people of color living in the U.S. are hard, but we have a lot of privilege yeah. as well. Right. Um, and none of us are black. I want to, like, point that out. Yeah. Um, because a black person's experience is way, way, way different mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. other, like, marginalized groups. Um, but we're not saying that you're automatically afforded a life of luxury because you're a straight, cis, white dude. It's that you don't have to think about the fact that you're cisgendered, you're mm-hmm. white, and that you're a dude. Like, your race isn't a constant topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let, let's get into that topic real quick, is this sort of idea, should you be ashamed of being privileged, or what does it mean to be privileged? Um, I saw this tweet that Terry Crews sent out, actually, and he was all like, um, don't be ashamed to be privileged. You are privileged. You need to use that privilege. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the argument and the idea that we want to sort of push through and discuss on this podcast is this idea that 
Um, you know, a lot of people who are privileged, they don't realize they're privileged just by the fact because they're privileged. Like, yeah. because they're so privileged in their life, they've never had to or like, think about it. they're living in an area where there are other privileged people that exactly. they don't never ever see. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean that you should be ashamed of having that privilege. You're born into it. That, that It's a completely different thing. But what you should do is be understanding, be cognizant, be able to, if willing and able to fight for the people yeah. who don't yeah. have that Less privilege. privilege yeah. Exactly. Also, instead of trying to ins- do not talk over the people who mm. you are trying to support as well. I think I've seen a lot of experiments where like white girl what wears a hijab for a week. And it's like there are already plenty of Muslim hijabi women talking about the difficulties of wearing hijab in America. You right. don't have to like feel it for yourself, right? Mm. I right. think when appropriate, use your privilege and use your platform to do good, but also make sure you're not talking over the groups and A, a letting them share their experiences and B, believing them mm-hmm. when they talk about it instead of having to go for yourself and do, you know... Right, <laughs> exactly. Do whatever experiment or, like, social mumbo-jumbo right. that you want to right. do. And because you have the privilege to do it and then get out of it. It's like yeah. these people, do, uh, people don't have the privilege to... to you yeah. literally get to step exactly. out of it. Yeah. I don't get to stop being So that brings yeah. me to the last point that I just want to make sure we get to and we discuss is this idea that um, people deny their privilege. They say, oh, I'm not privileged. They're like, just because of this... I'm not, that denial is so detrimental to any progress at all. And that's something that I think people need to sort of um, resist against, this idea that uh, I'm not privileged. You need to understand that it's not e- – I know it's not easy to think about, and I know it's not easy to come to terms with your own privilege sometimes, especially when you feel uh, you lack privilege in many other ways. But you could be someone who lacks privilege in almost every other way but has privilege over someone – on the tiniest thing, but even that, you that is something that you need to be aware mm-hmm. of and cognizant of. So there's no point in denying it. Um, but yeah, so that has sort of been our long yeah. and interesting, uh, but like a quick, quick, yeah, run it, privilege one hundred and one. Privilege one hundred and one. This is like a very basic yes. introduction exactly. to the concepts of inter- intersectionality and yep. privilege. We talked a lot about our personal lives yes. in this. Um, and how like and different contexts, like we can exactly. be privileged in certain contexts over others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important. Like this is the type of thing that takes, obviously the three of us are people who spend a lot of time thinking about this, but it takes a lot of introspection, especially if you are privileged in certain areas, you know, we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about ages Age, and we didn't talk about disability. Ability, yeah. We didn't exactly. talk about so many topics. Exactly, it yeah. takes a lot of introspection and there, there are so many resources out there. So mm-hmm. if this does interest you, it interests us a lot. Yeah. You know, the world the world is yours, <laughs> the internet. Yeah. You know, there just go on to Google Scholar and search intersectionality. I guarantee you you will find so many papers that will be so helpful. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, that that was uh, uh, I'm really excited that we got to do that, and I hope we get to do sort of similar things yeah. later on. Uh, um, you let us know what you thought and, and and how you think we did on this. Um, maybe we can improve or or, yeah. or, or learn from it. Um, but um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we have two quick topics we're going to discuss. 
and welcome back. Before we jump into our other big conversation of the night. Lots of big combos this episode. Lots of big combos this episode. Uh, want to quickly say a fuck you yes. to Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, I think everybody's heard about this story, but yeah. he, in a bipartisan immigration meeting, so Republicans and Democrats yep. were at the White House to discuss immigration reform. Yeah. He referred to people, he referred to Haiti and African nations as shithole countries. Jesus Christ. And then suggested that we should be letting more people from countries like Norway Yeah, in. Scandinavian so, countries. Nothing of this has been confirmed, but world leaders have already denounced mm-hmm. this statement, um, and Democratic and GOP members are obviously, like, the people who are there are obviously split on, like, what exactly Donald Trump said. Yep. Either way, I think he probably said something along the lines of that. He definitely said it. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Like, he yeah. definitely said like, it. He, he said probably it. said even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, fuck you, Donald Trump. You're a racist motherfucker, and I yes. hate you. <laughs> real, real quick, I do want to mention how a lot of people were like, oh, shit, Donald Trump's racist. And we're like, oh, he's no, been uh, racist. Shit. What the fuck is wrong he with you? He literally said at a Nazi rally that there were fi- very fine like, people on, on both, both sides. sides. He's yeah. a racist man. He's yeah. been he's been racist. That that just was sort of funny and fascinating. <laughs> CNN's like, oh, my God, Donald Trump's Donald racist. Trump. I'm like, well, you're just discovering this? What's no. wrong with y'all? Shit. Yeah, no Sherlock. shit, no shit. Stanley, your thoughts on this? Oh, no, it's just like um, if he sees like a white person from Africa or yeah. a black person from Norway, his definition of shithole countries would yeah, be different. Yeah, I wonder how he feels about I that. I literally, yeah. if he ever saw a white South African, his mind would be blown. Yeah. He'd be like, you're, he'd be like <laughs> he meets Dave Matthews and he's like, well, you're from, you're African? You're from Africa? Like, I don't, he, I, he I would, don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Donald Trump, you are a piece of shit. Uh, of course, this all happened during a lot of the DACA conversation, which I promise uh, uh, we will definitely talk about and get to because that's getting uh, really interesting, uh, especially how Republicans are deciding to handle it with this uh, incoming government shutdown and this whole wall thing with Donald Trump. Lots to get in there, so we're going to save that for another episode. Um, we're going to talk about something uh, huge that happened, yeah. um, and, and it's just bringing up a lot of interesting debates and questions. I'm going to let Olivia take it. So, um, right after Aziz Ansari's Golden Globes win this year for yes. Best Actor in a Comedy, um, Babenet published a 3,000-word sort of article by a woman who's going by the pseudonym Grace to protect her identity mm-hmm. um, about her experience on a date with Aziz Ansari. And the general mm-hmm. gist of it is that he coerced her into sexual sexual activity and mm-hmm. basically, A, it was a date situation. B, she was giving nonverbal cues that he ignored. And then she also gave verbal cues that were then also ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are, and this has caused such a split. I yes. remember yeah. the yeah. Baymet article came out, and then the Atlantic article basically like victim shaming this person came out, and then well, whole, depending how you read it, depending take, how you, yeah, depending how, how you read it, we're obviously going to be very biased, biased here. But so, just forewarning, depending on how you read it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then a whole slew of think pieces about mm-hmm. was this sexual misconduct? Was this not sexual mm-hmm. misconduct? Every woman has a story like this. We should really be, you know, like redefining right. how we define assault and we should really be having conversations about how we talk about consent. So right. I want to dive into that. And like the first 
point I want to talk about mm-hmm. um, is why people are so hesitant to classify this as sexual misconduct. And we were talking before uh, we started recording the episode. I don't know a heterosexual woman who doesn't have a story like this, myself included. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you read the Atlantic article, there is a lot of like, you know, why didn't she get out of there sooner? Why didn't she call a cab? Why didn't she say no? Why didn't she do all of the things X, Y, and Z? Um, and I even have had conversation like pretty harrowing conversations with friends that like really saddened me where they were like, well then why did she suck his dick? Why didn't she just say no? Why didn't she just do this? And it's really hard explaining to them that a lot of these situations just aren't black and white. I think if you've never been in a situation where someone has power over you, be it socially or physically, Mm -hmm. and then you're saying, well, why didn't you do all those things? Like, that situation can be so scary and so many thoughts can be going exactly. on in your head that sometimes you just let things happen. Yeah, um, exactly. So what do you guys think about the hesitation people have on calling this sexual misconduct, the Atlantic article? What are your thoughts? So um, Stanley sent us this article, um, the Babe.net uh, uh, article um, a, a few days ago, and I remember reading all of it in that moment. And uh, it paints a very just uh, traumatic and horrible event that happened to this young woman. I think she's like 25. We should uh, note that uh, Aziz is significantly older than her and, of course, is a famous person. Um, The story is just horrible. Um, uh, Of course, it's not a a, a Harvey Weinstein level like, you know, he's a rapist, he's a blah, blah, blah. Um, but it it, ju- it just paints him in a very, very horrible light. And I think a lot of people were sort of shaken when they first read it. They're like, what, Aziz? Aziz doing this? The man who sort of hides... He doesn't hide... Well, we'll get into that. The man who's like, I'm a feminist and he wore the... Yeah, yeah, he's woke yeah. and he wore this Time's I Up mean, thing. I he wore... He wrote an entire book on modern romance. Yeah. Exactly. there were episodes of Master of None that exactly. were heralded as like... He did that big cold open... Yeah. Where, you know, it was him and uh, whatever his name is, his big, big bud. Yeah. They were walking down Eric. the street. Yeah. Eric, yeah. And oh, versus a woman walking down the street at night. And that was like, oh, they captured that experience right. so well. So it's it was really like, I think there was a big disconnect for people yes. here. So, uh, and I remember reading that and I was like, fuck, this is terrible. And it, it and you know, reading it, you're like, uh, eat. When I read it, I was like, okay, this is obviously uh, um, so, some, somewhat written, or not somewhat, it's written from a different point of view. You're not getting his point of view, of course, but it doesn't matter. The things that happen here, even if it's like nowhere near to the level that she's describing, is still horrendous and horrible. The behavior that he yeah. showed. Um, so it's like whenever this uh, Atlantic article came out, and I remember seeing it, I was like, okay, but it doesn't matter. Like that that shouldn't be what the conversation is and I guess what a lot of people were arguing was saying this babe uh, article was um, unethical because of the way it was written. It was like they literally got the story and they just pushed it out and they're like, you could ruin a person's career um, just with like a split second because you don't do your due diligence and actually sort of uh, uh, suss out everything like uh, uh, the validity of her story or whatever. And a lot of it is uh, sort of like he like he said she said. And of course Aziz came out with his statement saying. 
I I did not read the situation that way. And I think that's the most telling part of this thing is how men just don't because they're privileged. They don't have the way to uh, sort of realize when they're um, like I said, they're not seeing these cues, these verbal, nonverbal cues. Um, yeah, that's just sort of my general read on that. I was like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it is. There are valid arguments that The Atlantic is saying about how an article like this is published and how it could ruin a person's career, but I don't think in this situation it necessarily applies all the way. Stanley? Well, I didn't read The Atlantic article, so I don't know what that entails, but um, after I read The Babe article, I was definitely mixed about it because I had some thinking that could easily go down to victim blaming mm-hmm. although i have to admit that like i was like yeah. why did she it's important that you, that we admit yeah. Yeah. yeah so why didn't she say no or why did she like agree to go down on him right and all these questions but then like i've been in other situations not sexual situations where like i didn't want to say no you know yeah right, right? and yes and the thinking in my mind was like so how should Aziz know that she felt discomfort or like that she didn't want to do all the sexual acts in the first place. Right. But like, as you read the article, you, you find out that she did give some really obvious nonverbal. Exactly. Cues. Yeah. And I think like what's, what's also important is that she did give verbal cues that yeah. she wanted to stop. Like, like yeah, she not, says I'm uncomfortable. And like, he kept pushing, pushing the situation. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's like, like when she said all that, like, that's when, okay, I'm on her side. Like, even like, let's slow down a bit. That's just like another way of saying, I don't want to have sex right now, Yeah. you know? And it doesn't take a genius to find out, like, figure (laughs) out what people are saying, like, non, or like. Exactly. Implicitly. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think reading the Atlantic article gave, it like left a bad taste in my mouth because I think like. Like everybody, I also initially was like, okay, well, this is kind of fishy. Like, why did she do those things? And in talking about it really extensively with a lot of people, um, just like thinking through the situation, you know, there are obvious like pitfalls to the way Babe reported this instance. Like, I think... Yeah, and I think it's fair to point it out too. Yeah, and I think it's fair to point it out. um, Like... This was, it was something that does feel like it was rushed from Mm -hmm. a journalistic standpoint, right? Like the Weinstein stuff took years exactly. versus this took like very, I think it was a week. week. I think it was a week. Relatively little time. Um, They gave Aziz like five or six hours to respond to comment. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I think that's fair, but in talking about it with more people, like she's also right. She also wrote this as a very personal account, so she's writing it from hindsight as well. Maybe when she did go to the apartment, she did intend to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. Exactly. None. None of that matters. And a lot of people are asking why she didn't get out of the situation. That is the wrong question. The right question is. Why are we saying, why are we pushing the responsibility on her yeah, yeah. when he was all, and like, why are we being asked to 
adjust our fairly normal behavior versus his predatory behavior not even being examined at all. So I think a lot of the victim blaming and the victim shaming is uncalled for here. I, so it is fair to point out the way this article was put out, written, and the time Aziz was given, not fair. I, but that's not, that's not the point. The point is that this was a thing that happened, yep. and his behavior very clearly to me falls under sexual misconduct. Yeah. But a lot of I think a lot of people are having a hard time classifying it as such because it's something that when reading it seems so normal. Yes. And like I said yeah. before, like yeah. I've had experiences like that. Yeah. Um, like Edgar pointed out, um, the thing that I was going back to was like Aziz's response to it. Like the, a day later, he sent out a statement saying that he thought that everything that they did was completely consensual. Mm -hmm. And that response was like, okay, so, which made me like kind of not like question the Grace, her name, right? right? And I was like, okay, so why is there a, a difference? Like a different like perception and what mm -hmm. they perceive like who should i believe like is yeah. it yeah right yeah i, I mean know. and it's and it's also it's like um you know uh, i think vox was writing about this and I, and I thought it was a very um interesting point we're in a society where we're not we're not going to examine predatory behavior now we are but we're, we're not because it's sort of um, in everyday culture, men are supposed to want sex. Men are supposed to pursue sex no matter what. And when you read this account, um, and of course it is from her point of view, we don't know Aziz's sort of point of view. I'm not claiming to believe whatever. Um, I know what I sort of uh, 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 would come to believe in this situation. But um, Aziz is like coming off as this guy who's like just this you know, guy who can have whatever the fuck he wants and he doesn't have anybody say no to him. So he doesn't like, he's not perceiving that situation that way. And it's just, it's just a very sort of perverted societal, horrible thing that uh, men of power are able to do. Um, and it, it's just tough. Yeah. And I think like when, when we say power, it's important to recognize that it's just like, a position of power over the other person, it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, the person is rich, the person is famous. Like I no. said before, I have stories like this with relatively normal men. Mm -hmm. yeah. every, almost every heterosexual woman I know has a story like this yeah. with relatively normal men. So it's, like, whenever you're in that situation, it's, it's really hard. And I think, like, I also struggle a lot because Aziz is, like, a South Asian man who, mm -hmm. you know, like has made a lot of like really great and introspective and what a lot of people would consider to be feminist content. Right. And he's also lifted up so many other voices yeah. along with that. It's hard to reconcile, but I think learning feminist theory and actually, and learning feminist theory and like understanding it on the page is different from actually applying yeah, it to your real life, yeah. right? Yes, exactly. And <laughs> I just don't think we have to have conversations around what does consent look like? Mm -hmm. What is an enthusiastic yes? Mm -hmm. 
how, how do we have conversations with our romantic and sexual partners while these activities are happening? How do we constantly check in on them to make sure everything we're doing is okay? Like, I think it's important for both parties, you know, whoever is taking the lead mm -hmm. to constantly be checking in and asking, is this, this okay? okay? Is yeah. this okay? Is this okay? Um, or you talk about it before the activity commences. I'm okay with doing this, this, and this. I'm not okay with doing this, this, <laughs> yeah. and this. And then mm. I'll let you know if I change my mind about this, this, or this. Mm. It seems like, you know, oh, but then you lose the moment, but you would rather everyone be comfortable in the situation, right? So yeah. I think, again, our sexual education, especially here in Texas, was basically abstinence. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, like, not only... Not only was there no conversation around, like, sex and, you know, like, what to do to protect yourself, there's also, but on the turn of that, there's also no conversations happening about consent mm -hmm. and how do you approach your sexual partners and make sure everyone is comfortable at all times. And if you learn the, like, from the babe count, from the babe net account, like if you learn these things the way Aziz learned these things, which was probably through porn, like obviously you're <laughs> not you're not gonna know. Yeah. <laughs> because it is assumed that even now, like I think the general consensus is like a no is just a no until you know, like she says yes. Like things we would consider gross, but things that are still like so lodged yeah. in yeah. our brains. And how even yeah. a yes doesn't necessarily mean a yes to there's an article i don't know yeah i mean i think that i think this also like this article gives us a point gives us a starting point to talk about this coercion thing. yeah yeah instead of and so like what's the what's the difference between a coerced yes and an enthusiastic yes mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah it brings up an, it, like it allows for interesting conversation that we wouldn't have had this not been brought up in the first place yeah it's a thing yeah. that everyone experiences, but don't talk about. So yeah, yeah. and again, I like it's hard, especially with the verbal versus nonverbal cues. A lot of people are just like, "Well, how was he supposed to know?" With like, how was he supposed to know that her nonverbal cues were nonverbal cues? Right. And I was like, "Well, from her account, it seems like she was pretty rigid, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like it didn't yeah. seem like she was into it in the first place." But she also. At the, end, at the end of the day, he ignored verbal cues yeah. and nonverbal cues, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, he I ignored mean, both of those things. Yeah. I, I, you, you know, I, I think it's pretty evident at the end of the day, something wrong happened, and it's a shame that people are sort of dismissing one person's account, even if it's just that account that we got, and it may be sensationalized, and maybe whatever, whatever. Um, something happened and, and, and it wasn't okay. And, and it seems like Aziz is sort of acknowledging this and his sort of response. Um, I'm not sure if it's enough. Of course, we saw... His statement uh, was pretty vague. Yeah. I'm hoping he's taking time to craft like something more detailed. Yeah. Um, well, apparently he like reached uh, out he reached out to her yeah. and apologized to her. Uh, of course, we also saw um, another sort of high... Profile apology from Dan Harmon, which a lot of people, I don't know if you saw it, he apologized to a former employee that... Um, yeah, and she actually shared it out. Yeah, she shared it out. Saying, and, like, um, this is an example of what a good apology right, situation looks like. Right, right. And, and it's sort of, there can be these moments of reconciliation mm -hmm. and of forgiveness. Um, but, of course, we're talking about not even, like, a, we're not talking about a rapist, a Harvey-level, like, type horrible dude or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, but that, that that's just sort of um, it will be interesting to see how Aziz apologizes and moves forward from mm-hmm. this. I don't know. A lot of people are like, "Is this really going to end his career or whatever? Is this murdering his career?" I don't think I don't so. Think I don't so. think it's going to hurt yeah. him yeah. that much, especially because we're having these conversations. Yeah, and like that—that's also one thing I wanted to talk about, like the role, especially of white feminism in this and like the way these accusations and these think pieces and these articles and the way people are talking about it are rolling out because basically the day before a whole bunch of accusations about James Franco who also won at the Golden Globes came out right and so these two things are happening at the same time and I don't know about you guys but I'm noticing really disparate amount like I'm noticing a lot of disparate amounts of coverage and like the way it's covered is really like disparate um i've noticed like a like oh this is the new story like we're not gonna talk about james franco we're not talking about james franco anymore because aziz ansari is here but i've seen a lot more coverage about the ansari thing Mm -hmm. than i have about franco um and there's like this significant difference and i think like it's important to acknowledge that the way ansari and franco are being treated in the situation are distinctly different and there is a reason why and like yeah. we have like we have to acknowledge the fact that like you know Ansari is being treated much more harshly because he is a man of color yeah. right yeah. um both men wore times up pins at the Golden Globes like both men you know have said they support feminism Mm -hmm. and that they consider themselves feminists. So I think it's also like we have to talk about both of those things. Um, I think it's really important. Right. Uh, Especially since this could very easily turn into like a similar situation a couple of years ago with Casey Affleck winning an Oscar and Nate Parker's career. Like those two things also came out at the same time (laughs) and Nate Parker's career was ruined. Right. And Casey Affleck won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Although, do you uh, like we said before? I don't. I'm not sure if I perceive Aziz's uh, sort of career mm-hmm. um, hurt by this. Too. I'm not. I'm not sure because it could happen. Like the Nate Parker thing started out small and then it became this. Yeah, huge I mean, thing. I, you never know. Yeah, honestly, like I'm. Although that stories, their stories are very different. The mm-hmm. stories are very different. Um, like. I'm really concerned just because things that we think might not balloon up can balloon up really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I Again, and also seeing just the way Ansari is being covered versus the way Franco is being covered is really disheartening. Like, a lot of white feminists are, like, chomping at the bit to write about Aziz, and I just haven't seen that much about yeah, me neither. Franco. Yeah. Um, and... That is very concerning to me. Of course, with Ansari's situation, I think a lot of people are chopping at the bit to write about it because it is something that's so normal. Mm-hmm. Like, that story, A, was a very detailed personal account, whereas mm-hmm. Franco's was... Whereas the people who have come out about Franco have kind of, like, bulleted yeah. points where they're, like, he did X, Y, and Z, it's whereas more like Babe Nett's account was very much, like... It was a personal he, story. Here's a personal story about the entirety of this night, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that, like, the way Aziz is being treated versus the way Franco is being treated is different. Mm-hmm. 
And why do we think that is? <laughs> so yeah. I, I think like those are those are things that are, like both of these things are important to talk about. Like you can say both of these things at the same time. You can say what Aziz did was sexual misconduct and it was inappropriate and wrong, and he coerced this woman into sex and ignored verbal and nonverbal cues. Like it was assault, and. You can also say, but the way it's being covered is definitely racialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. It happens, yeah. right. And it, and it will always happen in situations where you have a person of color yeah. who is in, in this position. And um, also because since Aziz is a person of color, like I don't want to like like, come off automatically. I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Which just makes like it we, harder, yeah. Like, we have... Like, I definitely... Like, I... I had a lot of turmoil about the story. I was yeah. very, very upset. Yeah. Um, Aziz, for... Basically, every South Asian is, like, yeah. a ve- Every South Asian American is, like, a very important figure for us. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like, oh, we can... We can be that, and we can be that on TV, you know? And that's, like, a really important linchpin for us. And I've talked about my problems with Aziz and Master of None before, but the fact still remains that, like, that for South Asians was such a big thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's really hard. And, like, I have had so many friends who were, who, because of Aziz's place in their heart, have fallen into, you know, a lot of what the Atlantic article is saying, like, why didn't she get it out of there? Why did she, why didn't she just say no? Why did she go along with it? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, the, this is a story that uh, obviously will continue to develop and I think will bring up a lot of interesting uh, sort of debates that I think we will continue to talk about because this is just, um, when we've heard these like sexual allegation stories, they were so abstract and so extreme and this is so ordinary and we're talking about it and it's important to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So we will continue, um, to do that in that it's a person of color makes it all that more complicated. Uh, so this is definitely, uh, something we will, uh, return to, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, that has been our, episode it's been a very serious episode uh but i'm glad we did it because there was a lot to talk about and i'm glad we got to share our uh stories in our little privilege segment um little giant privilege segment (laughs) yes exactly um as always you can listen to our podcast everywhere that you listen to podcasts itunes stitcher overcast google play uh leave us a review especially on itunes sorry android people we love you too uh but our iphone people please drop us those five stars um and uh follow us on our social media at minority pod everywhere except facebook where we are the whole thing the minority report podcast um yeah when we return next week we're, we also have another interesting topic um so we're we're just gonna experiment and see <laughs> how this goes uh, like i said let us know uh, how you feel about this this was more of a serious somber episode i'm sure some of the other ones would be a little more light-hearted yeah. Sort of depending on the topics and, and and how we proceed forward. But sometimes you have to have those tough conversations. And yeah. that's what this was. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.